Well, good morning. Welcome, as we say, to Grace Bible Church and all the things that we have uh, going on here this week. This week is uh, our missions week. Uh, we're closing out our Go Missions time, and uh, I hope that you guys took took advantage of some of the things that happened during the week. How many of you guys actually went out to see the missions fair this past Wednesday? Anybody? I hope so. You know, is it times like that when I find out what God is doing around the world that I can most understand what he's calling me to do? Because if I don't know, then how can I figure out what he's asking of me? So this morning as we head into a time where we're going to talk a little bit about our church and a little bit about how we hope to reach out into our community and around the world, I pray that you will listen and that as we listen, that God will speak to each one of us so that we can know. We have all these flags kind of hanging up around the room, and uh, I want you guys to know most of all that these are not just decorations. Okay, we hang these up every year. They stay up for about a month. We take them back down to maybe do some other things with the space. But these are not merely decorations in our sanctuary. They represent things. They represent the fact that around the world there are people that maybe just like you, whether it was in their time in college or a time maybe in the, the midst of their career or even in their retirement, that they made a significant choice to follow God to the uttermost parts of the world. These flags represent a lot of difficult decisions. I know I've served in at least four of these countries, and if Texas was hanging up a fifth, okay? But they represent difficult decisions that have been made by people. Think about it. For people to decide to follow God in maybe a a place that's very different than their own, they had to take what maybe they thought in life or maybe what their parents wanted them to do in life and to set that aside, to put aside that self-driven vision of what they wanted to do to decide that what God wanted them to do was more important. These flags represent a lot of hard conversations with their families. To say, I know you wanted me to live close and to do this or that, but God is calling me far away. It represents decisions that people have made, maybe even to move their whole family, to take their kids, or to commit to raise their kids in a place that looks very, very different than the conveniences that we experience here in this city. It represents decisions that are kind of counterintuitive, that when you graduate from college and you first have an opportunity to have a job and to begin to provide for yourself, that God calls them into a mission or to a way of life that requires them to ask other people for financial support. And they have to trust God to provide. And it represents decisions to move outside of the comfort of their own language and their own culture. And to learn enough about somebody else somewhere in the world to make a difference. All of this so that other people around the world could have a chance, maybe not in a setting exactly like our own, but to gather together and hear the gospel message and to commit themselves to Christ. These flags are far from being our church decorations. They represent our best attempts as a church to minister to other people around the world, to be 
a part of fulfilling what God would have us do in the Great Commission. Let me ask you this question as we start out this morning. Do you really think that God could fulfill through us the Great Commission in this generation? See, what happens is oftentimes we sit in church week after week and we hear the Scripture and and it becomes so familiar to us that it just kind of rolls over us and, to be quite honest, it just rolls right by us. We know that this is Mission Sunday and we think, okay, it's going to be on you know, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, and we're going to endure it for a while, and then we don't have to deal with it again until next October. Do we really believe that God is calling each one of us to play a part, a significant part, in reaching the people that are around us? Can you say this morning, based on the last week or two of your life, that you're engaged in the mission of God? I know there's some weeks where I can't. I hope to use our time this morning to clarify some things, to clarify what I believe God is calling each one of us to, but also what I believe that God is calling our church to do, why we do it, and what next steps that we can have so that we can try to get give everybody an opportunity to be on board. Now, I know that probably most of you know me from either shaking your hand or giving your kids high fives out in the foyer. That's part of my job. Right, um, I was at a, a restaurant the other day, and maybe she's here today. Uh, she said, "Aren't you the guy that does the announcements at church?" It's like, "Yeah, that's me. I, I do the announcements at church." But I also have the great privilege and pleasure of being the pastor of outreach uh, here at Grace Bible Church, which means I get to help give some strategic uh, oversight of not only what we do in the community, partnering along with Ryan Pale, but also some uh, direction and strategy for what we do uh, around the world as we partner globally with the people that we support. So this morning, I would like to do a couple of things. First off, I want you guys to know that today is a day of celebration. We're going to talk about some of the ways that our church has been involved in the Great Commission, and we can celebrate that. I love to celebrate. But if you know me very well, along with the celebration comes an opportunity for challenge. I love to challenge people and to challenge myself to think about whether or not I am living my entire life for the purpose of the Great Commission, for eternal purposes, for accomplishing what God has called us to do. So I want to do that this morning. I want to challenge you to think about your life and the stewardship that God has given you and to whether or not you're involved in the manner that you should be. We are called to be God's witnesses both in our Jerusalem, kind of locally, in our Judea and Samaria, kind of a, a, among uh, people that are a little bit different than, our, than, than us that might be in our community, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And I know what that looks like, because my first assignment on staff with a mission organization was in Lubbock, Texas. I know what the, uh, the uttermost part of the world looks like. Okay, <laughs> And so I want to challenge you guys a little bit of that. When we think through, think through the history of... Uh, of what's going on here at this church. You know, I think about some of the, the missionaries that we, we have supported, we continue to support. Uh, the slide says that we, have, we currently support uh, more than 70 different singles or families that are living overseas, many of whom serve in the countries uh, that these flags represent. But I also think about some of the guys like Jerry Parkerson. Okay, Jerry was one of the, the very first missionaries that we began to support in 1968. Okay, he was moving to Spain where he would spend more than 40 years of his life 
ministering to people there, and we were able to gather all of our resources and support him for $10 a month. Today in Spain, it wouldn't even pay for his coffee. Okay? I think of other families that came on shortly after that. Uh, the Seaborns came on, and uh, other families that are still continuing to uh, minister broadly. They started out in one location, uh, but along with uh, the Chinawas and others, that they have been, uh, are now giving leadership to whole organizations. I think of the, our kind of a longest flag bearer overseas, continuously serving in, in Italy. Maybe you guys know both uh, Robbie and Rose Roberts. Uh, that given the demographics in our room, just to put it in perspective, they left for Italy before most of you were born. And they continue to strive to make the gospel known to that nation. Maybe even more interesting uh, than the people that we've supported long-term like that are the fact that two of our former pastors held the banner of missions so strongly, so highly, that as they left this church, they, the reason they left this church was to go into the mission field. Joe Wall, Andy Seidel, still serving with organizations that have a global impact. As I joked in the first service with Blake, I said, hey, Blake, you better, you better be careful. It looks like our church has figured out a way not to pay retirement. Okay? When the elders come to the meeting holding a map of the globe, you'll know. Okay? It's, time, it's time to move to the mission field. Our church has a long tradition of making a difference in the world. Some serve at Texas A&M to help us out here reaching our campus. But we're having an impact in almost every region of the planet. Almost every major geographical region of the planet. And it's something that's pretty exciting to celebrate. As we continue to uh, you know, think about the past, I want to put something forth to you. Because even though we have a great history of missions in our church... As it says, I think in my opinion, okay, in my opinion, we are just scratching the surface of what we can do as a church to begin to engage people in helping to reach the world for Christ. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that even though we send out or we support so many people that are out there that we're just scratching the surface? When you look at who comes to our church It's an amazing thing that God has given us an incredible stewardship. And I believe that God has led me this morning and throughout my job to challenge each of you to think about what you can be doing to reach the world that's around you. We have more than 2,000 students that are involved with us, okay? And we do a lot. We do a lot among our college students to send them out. We've got 1,000 or so college students that meet in our college service. There's another 1,000 that are meeting Uh, with us here in Family Church, and we want to do a great job of having uh, opportunities to send them out in a way that are meaningful. But I want you to know I'm scared. I'm scared that sometimes our church, what we have done is that we have subcontracted missions to our college students. Okay, There's another 2,000 people that I want to challenge. And you're thinking, what other 2,000 people are there? It's you. Those of you that are not in college. We have 2,000 other people that attend our church that are faithfully praying and giving. But are we going? Are we engaged in what God has called us to do among the nations? Our biggest challenge is to create some strategic opportunities 
that allow our singles and our families to participate in what God is doing among, our, among the nations, both domestically and abroad. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about this morning. See, the title of this message is Engaging with Grace, Reaching Our Campus, Our Community, and Our World. And if there's one thing that you, if you only have the capacity to take away one thing today, just one thing, this is what I want you to hear. That involvement in the Great Commission, involvement in the Great Commission is a non-negotiable of your faith. See, you may walk in here this morning and say, well, I don't have the money or I don't have the time. I don't have the gifts. God has made you the way that you are and he's given you the opportunities that he's given you. And being involved in the Great Commission is a non-negotiable of your faith. Well, why on earth did God do it that way? Why is he calling us all to be involved? Is it because he needs our help? (laughs) Not hardly. See, God calls us into a relationship with him because he wants to give us the pleasure of knowing him. And God calls us into service with him because he continues to want us to know even deeper the pleasure of knowing him. God doesn't need our help. God will accomplish what he has arranged, but he has graciously allowed his broken people to be involved. We want to reach our community, our campus, our community, and our world with the transforming grace of God. As my friend, one of my friends says, this is not something that you just knit on a pillow and put on your couch. This is the heartbeat of who we are. In essence, this is the reason for our existence. You know, when my wife and I, Amy, we've moved around in a lot of uh, different cultures and contexts, and every time we want to make a, a big decision about life, we have to come to this one passage of Scripture. It has become an inescapable place where God speaks to us And I want to open up and talk to you about that a little bit. So if you open in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to talk about that. It's interesting that we are also, we're studying 1 Corinthians in uh, our sermon series. And I love it because the big picture of what that is, is that Paul is writing the message of God to a very messy church. See, if it was one of these churches we could hold up, you know, put up on this big hill and say, wow, that's a model church, then we might think that this passage doesn't apply to us. But the fact of the matter is when we look at the church in Corinth and say, wow, that's a little bit scary, and God has still given them the same message that he is giving us, and we can believe it. Open up to chapter 5, but let let me summarize the first few parts, okay? What is Paul telling us? The first thing he says is this, is that one, this is not our home. We have an eternal dwelling place. And this is, this is a major point, friends, that if you don't get this aspect of who we are in our relationship with God, that this is not our home, this is not the place we live, this is not the place that we pour all of our research, uh, resources, this is not how we pour out our lives for this place, because this is not our home. God is preparing a place in eternity for us and for the rest of our children, His children. And this is the place that we need to focus The second thing that he tells us is that we walk by faith. It's not by sight. So you think, I don't know what God wants me to do, so therefore I don't do anything. That's not how God works. God says, follow me, walk by faith, I will show you step by step. I'm not going to map it out, because then you're going to live in your own strength. I may not know what I need to talk to my neighbor about, I just need to know that I need to talk to my neighbor. God will provide the words. 
I don't know what God wants me to do in some far land, but if I don't show up to find out about that far land, how will I ever know that God is calling me to go there? Thirdly, he says this. He says that we make it our aim to please Him. Okay, Our aim, our goal in life is not to please ourselves. That is not what we live for. Our goal in life is to please the Father that has called us into a relationship with Him. We are compelled to persuade others. See, now it gets scary. (laughs) Now it gets scary because part of our calling that God has given us is to persuade others, is to talk to other people, to persuade them through our lives that we live in integrity, we live in honesty, okay? That we can put together the things that we say that we believe in the way that we live, and then we speak to explain that to other people. Through our lives, we would persuade others. In fact, God gives us the ministry of reconciliation. Again, He could do it by Himself, but He chooses to use us because redeemed, broken people speak a loud message of the gospel and the transforming grace of God. This is the Lord's plan. Not only that He would have the gospel message go to the nations, but that He would use us to make it happen. All of this is summed up in a responsibility that we have as members of the body of Christ in verses 20 and 21. Read them with me. It says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who goes to a people that are not his own to represent a leader that he believes in. That is the same message for us. God has given us this ministry of reconciliation and the position of being an ambassador for Christ so that we can go all around the world and sometimes just across our street to represent Him who we call King. We are His ambassadors. Sunday morning is merely our staff meeting. It's to connect with our leader. Monday through Saturday is our field assignment. That is our audience. This is part of what I would call our transcendent calling. It's a proper understanding of what Christ did for us and why that motivates us or should motivate us to fulfill what He's called us to do. So many people act as if God brought us into a relationship with us just to use us. But He brought us into that relationship so that we could fully understand what it means to live by faith. So what is our responsibility? Well, let's start with our church this morning and find out what it is that God has called us to do and to find out what opportunities we have to engage and to reach every person on campus, every person in our community, and to help reach every person with the transforming grace of God around the world. Let me give you a few terms, uh, manners of which we want to talk about this morning. How are we going to communicate this responsibility? First off, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the responsibility that we have both geographically in our church and also demographically in our church. And I'll explain those few things in a minute. And then I want to talk about how does this idea of Acts 1-8 affect us, the strategies that we have kind of in expanding locations as we move from local, kind of our Jerusalem, to global. Yes, it's a made-up word. 
Judea and Samaria, the people that are around us that are not like us, okay, and globally to the ends of the earth. So let's talk first about what is our Southwood geography. And I'll confess to you a fear that I have. I, I know I live just down the street, and sometimes I wonder as people drive by our church, they drive by our parking lot, they're unwilling to come in, but they think to themselves this thought. I wonder what kind of impact they're having on the people that live just around them. Because if we don't have a visible witness in the, in the geography that we have just around our church here at Grace Southwood, then how will we ever capture the hearts of those that are just driving by wondering what we're doing? So who's around us? Okay, Who's around us? Well, I think about who, who lives around our neighborhoods here at Southwood. There's a lot of students. We have a lot of students of Texas A&M and Blinn University that are around us that somehow we need to have a visible impact on that community. I think about state streets, not very far from here. Okay, It's it's kind of a, a, a city, I mean, a, a part of our city that's kind of been marginalized, okay? If you walked over into State Streets for the first time, you might realize, well, I didn't know that there were parts of College Station that looked so differently than me, okay? But they're within earshot, okay, of our church. They're part of our geography. They're part of what God has called us to do. Are we being effective at taking the gospel to those neighborhoods? And CSISD, College Station Independent School District, just across the street. Are we, through the ministry that we have through our kids, through the teachers that we have, maybe you're in a private school or in homeschool, and that's great too, through the school systems in our neighborhood, are we having an effect for the gospel? Well, here's some of the strategies that we have uh, online, you know, the things that, that we, can, uh, we can involve people in quickly. We have a college ministry. Over there, there's you know, a few hundred college students meeting today already being ministered to. Okay, Youth Impact, one of the ministries outside of our church, they help the kids of, this, of State Streets as well as many other marginalized neighborhoods in our community, both in Bryan and College Station. With the school district, we have some opportunities to work back and forth with them so that we can be seen as a safe place, uh, a place willing to partner and meet the needs that they have. We do a Head Start, which is a, uh, a program for kids that are just uh, before preschool, and we help with uh, a lot of their registration. They use our facilities. Why? Because we want to build good bridges to the people that are in the geography that are around us. But it doesn't stop with geography. We also have what I would call a demography. Okay, The fact of the matter is that most of you in this room don't live within a couple of miles of our campus here. Okay, You don't live on the streets that are right around here, but you have the responsibility of figuring out how do I take what I learn in this place, back to the place where I live. Okay, When I'm talking about demography, it's describing the areas of where our current congregants live. How does what happens in this room affect what happens where you live? Whether that's a dorm room, whether that's a house out in Castlegate, whether that's at the dance classes that your daughter goes to, the flag football that your son goes to, all of the different places where we go out to live our lives. How does it make a difference? South College Station families, we have a lot of students. We have a lot of groups that even meet that have some special needs that we're trying to meet within, uh, within our church. Some of our strategies that we often are trying to move people towards, Backyard Bible. Why? Because we want to help you have an impact where you live. Okay, Home groups meet outside of our church. They're out in the communities talking to the neighbors. Faithful to the Fatherless, Deaf Church. These are two different 
groups that meet within the facilities that we have trying to serve part of our community that doesn't necessarily live right around our geography. So as we begin to think about how do we expand the the ways that we engage both locally, globally, and globally, let's talk a little bit about that. The fact is, is that we want to try as a church to provide a structure that offers some continuity in the strategies that we have, all the different ways that we're engaging in grace. Okay, and I want to give you a couple examples of what I mean by this. First off, we have a, a Mandarin speaking church. Some of you guys know that, maybe some of you don't. Over across the street from the Anderson campus, there's a church that meets. It has over 70 adults uh, every week. Most of them uh, come from a Mandarin-speaking country, either from China, from Taiwan, Singapore, Malaysia, other places where people speak Chinese, speak Mandarin. Okay? And so a lot of people find us. They find out about our church through that avenue. Okay? But as we move locally, as we kind of overlap those boundaries between domestic and abroad, there's a whole group of people that are living within our community, Mandarin speakers, that don't necessarily go to show up at church, and we want to reach out to them. Okay, so some of you guys were involved in some of these things, either uh, the furniture giveaway that we did back in August. Some of you might have the opportunities or have taken the opportunity to be a language partner with you know, wives or, uh, of grad students that are coming over here trying to learn English. Okay, some of you even hosted... Uh, some of those international students for a meal in your house. And the fact is, is that we need that. We not only do that for other people, we do that for ourselves because we need to be reminded that God has brought the world to our neighborhoods. That God called us to go out to them, and some did and some didn't, and that's okay because what God decided to do, at least here in our community, is to bring people, to bring the world to us. And in that context, we have an opportunity to reach out to people from countries that if we even tried to get a visa into or if we tried to have some kind of meaningful ministry in, we'd probably get shut down. That God's ultimate strategy was to bring the right people to us so that we could have an impact on them here and they could return back to their own countrymen. And then, of course, globally, we continue to be in, involved in strategic missions, uh, involvement in Mandarin-speaking countries. See, here's the deal is that I don't care if you go over to the Mandarin church and, and help out with their child care, okay, because they need, have some huge needs in that area. Don't worry, all the kids speak English. It's fine. You don't need to know Mandarin, okay? Or if you invited an international friend to dinner and, and God captured your heart through that, or if you went on a mission trip in a Mandarin-speaking country. What I'm concerned with is not only did you have a good experience there, but God can continue to draw your heart along that path to have a more uh, meaningful opportunity to minister to people, whether it's domestic or abroad. Here's another example. One of the things that we would like to move into as we minister to parts of our community that can't often help themselves is uh, to offer some support to those who are fostering or adopting. Okay, Obviously, it's uh, in our scriptures that a description of pure and undefiled religion is is ministering to widows and orphans, right? And so we want to have an expression of that in our church. So there's respite care for fostering families. And our youth group a couple of weeks ago was pretty amazing. We had 30 kids sign up to give of their time, and we invited those from our community, some involved in our church, some not involved in our church. There's a lot of rules about who can watch foster children legally, and so we made sure and got all that taken care of, and we invited these families and had over 60 kids show up so that their mom and dad could have a date night. 
one mom wrote back, it got forwarded to me, and it was just amazing. Because she said, this is the first opportunity that my husband and I have had to have a date since we took our foster child. It's ministering to a community of people. But as God continues to put things on our heart, what can we do in other places? Because you may not have uh, a home or a situation where you can invite uh, a child in to live with you for any extended period of time. But what if we just started challenging people and, and as a church we, we picked a, a good place to support some of these, uh, these kids in a sponsorship program to say, hey, if I give 30, 35, 40 bucks a month, then I know that that child's not only going to get housing, not only going to get food, not only going to get an education, but is also going to be able to experience the love of Christ and to hear the gospel message. Having an impact from here in a place that we might not be able to go. And to take it a step beyond that, to cultivate our hearts, I want to begin to, uh, at least in this area, to uh, set up some summer trips for our families so that if you want to go and see what it's like to live as one of these uh, marginalized children, one of these orphan children, somewhere in an overseas setting, that we're going to set up some trips to make that possible. Locally, our responsibility as a church is to equip you so that you can have a successful personal ministry. That's what we want to do. Okay? We have all types of partnerships, partnership organizations where we want to make it easy for you to be able to look up something online and say, that grabs my heart, I want to be involved. If you don't, want to know, if you don't have any idea where to start, go online and look at our partnership organizations. Okay? They're going to offer you a place to minister. Respite care and fostering. Again, we're going to try to bring some of this, these things online by the spring. So if that's an area where your heart really resonates, then we want you to be involved. But as, a, as kind of a primary way of engaging our local community and engaging your heart, I want to talk to you guys about what we're calling our, our top five, our big five, our five biggest outreach events that we do as a church. Okay, Here's the first one, furniture giveaway. Why do we do the furniture giveaway? Because people need furniture? Absolutely. Because you need to get rid of your stuff? Absolutely. Okay, But ultimately, what we want out of Uh, being involved in the international community, being involved in the furniture giveaway, is that I want God to grab your heart by helping somebody that can never pay you back. To experience what it's like to interact with another culture, albeit it may just be loading some furniture or driving somebody to their home, I want you to know that they're there and that we're somehow supposed to stretch the gospel message over each part of our community. Another way to do this is through the country fair. It's highlighted because it's on October 29th. We still need lots of help. There's sign-up sheets out in the foyer. But why do we do this big thing called this, the, the country fair? I want to promise you right now, if all we're doing is throwing a party for our own youth and have some kind of Halloween avoidance strategy, we'll kill it. This is not why we do the country fair. It is more meaningful than ring toss. What we want to do is to offer an opportunity, especially for those that live around the geography of Southwood because we hold the event here, we want to offer them the opportunity to step foot on a place that they may never step foot uh, if it's just about church. If they can feel comfortable in in our parking lot eating a hot dog and throwing a ring over a bottle, winning a few prizes, then maybe they'll feel more comfortable to step inside and find out what it is that we're talking about inside. 
And more than that, I want to offer each one of you an opportunity to go to your neighbor's door, find somebody in your neighborhood that has kids and say, hey, why don't you come and have a good time with us? Come with us. Experience what we do at Grace as a fall event. It is not about keeping you busy. You do just fine with that. This is a way that we can stretch out into our geographic community and to give you an opportunity to reach out into your neighborhood. Third is the Christmas co-op, and we'll talk more about this. This uh, pairs in line with uh, what we do with our youth impact ministry, trying to minister to some of the families from these marginalized communities that we were talking about before. It's a way for them to be able, in, a, uh, in an affordable way, to get the clothes and the food and the toys uh, that families need to be able to have a good Christmas. And we're going to challenge you guys in the coming weeks uh, to be involved in that. Wrapping around into the spring, we want to have Easter parties. Why? Because I want to make sure that you have an opportunity where we're not creating all the structure, but that you can pick up the ball and run with something into your neighborhood. As Carl said, maybe this isn't the best week for football analogies, but that's what we want to do. We want to make it easy for you to reach out into your neighborhood. And the Easter parties, what they do is they just wrap back around into our backyard Bible clubs because by the time you invite somebody to a backyard Bible club that's being hosted at your house or one of your neighbor's houses through the Easter parties, you already know all the kids involved. See, what we're trying to do is that we want to make a commitment to you. Our commitment to you is that if you're willing to follow Christ in obedience to be involved in the Great Commission, what we're wanting to do is to equip you to be able to do that effectively. We want to say that If you'll come with us and be involved in these uh, five events and some of the training that we want to offer in the midst of those, that as you go out into your communities, that you'll know what to do, what to say, and how to follow people up. They are for your, they're, they're to help equip you for personal ministry. They are not designed to take the place of it. Locally, what are we doing? As I mentioned, we have some current ethnic churches and fellowships. We have our Mandarin church that meets over in Anderson, uh, but we also have our South Asian fellowship uh, that uh, comes together weekly, ministering from, uh, to people from India and Sri Lanka and, and uh, Nepal and all kinds of other places, places that are very difficult for us uh, to get into uh, with the message of Jesus. And so that's exciting. Okay? But I have a larger dream than that. I would love to see a Spanish-speaking fellowship or church arise from our midst. I would love to see those uh, with interest in helping our Persian community, uh, the Arabic-speaking community, to help them in a way that they can feel comfortable hear the message of grace. All that we do with international students revolves around this idea of reaching out globally. The furniture giveaway, the meals in an American home, we want to be good stewards of the people that God has brought to our doorstep. And then globally, we have continued support of our missionaries. It's great. Like I said, we have 70, 75 missionaries that we support. We would love to increase the amount that we support them. We would love to increase uh, the number of people that we support, and we'll uh, do that as finances allow. Okay? But also, we want to have some constri- uh, continued strategies of our uh, current college key initiatives. I told you about the uh, places uh, that they send. We want to create a path of opportunities for our church families to be involved together in the Great Commission. So let me tell you about what that's going to look like this summer. Anderson campus is going to have its own missions trip. This is the first summer where we've ever split the two. And, uh, but Southwood is going to have one as well. There's some uh, people sitting out uh, at, at the table uh, in the foyer talking about 
uh, talking with people about what we're going to do this summer as a mission trip to Honduras. Okay, It's going to be led by me and Dr. Corey Gill. Jason Weezapapi is going to be uh, there too with some of our family members. Uh, the dates are July 18 to 25 uh, to the 25th. They're in our four-year today. And if you have some interest in what you might be able to do as a family, not only to reach the people of Honduras in a village, but also to be equipped to be able to reach the people in your neighborhood, then we want you to come and join us. Okay? Sign up in the foyer. You're not signing up to say you're going to go. You're just signing up to say that you have some interest, and we'll start a dialogue uh, about that. College missions. Here's the places that we send to. If you're a college student not involved in the college ministry, today, after the service, you can go have some pizza. It's free. Okay? And you can learn about what we're doing in these areas of the world. Okay? Step right across to the college service. Our youth, we don't want to forget our youth. So 7th grade through 12th grade, we've committed to be involved in a, uh, in a project down in Houston called Houston 1-8, formerly the Houston Project. And what we want to do, the purpose of this is not just to go and reach people, but we want to cultivate the heart of our youth so that they know from an early age as they're making all the key decisions that part of what God has called them to do is to reach out to the nations. We're serious about it. For our 11th and 12th graders, we want to teach them not only how to go uh, on a mission trip, but we want to put them in a situation taking some uh, German youth camping okay, in partnership with Young Life. Why? Because we want them to learn as 11th and 12th graders what it really looks like to reach out to people from kind of a post-Christian community because that is their reality. That is their future reality. And we want them to know how to do that. Up in the ante just a little bit, for those that really want to do something that's a little bit further away, okay, we're going to also have a mission trip that's going to South Asia, working with a group called uh, Asian Christian Academy. Uh, it's going to be led by uh, Joel Mathai, who is uh, one of our pastors here on staff. Uh, the dates, it's about a three-week trip, and it's a mixed opportunity to minister to, minister to an orphanage. Uh, and all the things that surround that, but also to go out into some villages and learn what it means to plant churches in some of the hardest places. Okay, there'll be more information about that. Bottom line is this. If this morning you uh, have interest in knowing what, what we're doing as a church, okay, there's a couple of things that you can do. First off, we're starting some grace groups, some home groups that we're going to be having rolling around this spring that focus primarily on missions. Okay, so if you want to know what does it take, what is it like, what gifts do I have that we could offer in that area, talk to us about this. Join one of these groups. If you've never taken perspectives, Grace will be offering perspectives again, hosting it in the spring. It's a 15-week, fairly academic course that will teach you all that God has been doing through the history of missions and different opportunities that are out there for people to be involved. Okay, you can take it as, a, as an audit. You can take it as a certificate. If you have room left in your degree plan, you can even take it as a credit and transfer it in. Can you imagine that into your degree plan at Texas A&M? Okay? If you have questions about how we're reaching out, send us an email. Globaloutreach at grace-bible.org. The same is true for our community outreach. Start by engaging in, our, in the next part of our big five. Okay? Country Fair, August 25th. Sign-up sheets are outside. Volunteer with one of our community outreach partnerships, okay? Look on our website. They're all listed there. Jump in. Tell them you're from Grace Bible Church and you want to know how to help. If you have questions, community outreach at grace-bible.org. Give us a call. We'll help you figure out how to plug in. 
As you leave today, we want you to know that Grace Bible Church is serious about its involvement in the Great Commission. And we want you to be a part of reaching our campus, our community, and our world with the transforming grace of God. I'm going to pray for us as we close, and then Jason's going to come up and remind us of a couple opportunities that we have to be involved. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you, Jesus, that you continue to speak uh, words of life to us, that you've called us to be a part of this community, and that you've given us something to do. I pray that you would give us the courage uh, to follow through. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Guff. I appreciate your word to us this morning, your challenge to us this morning. It's exciting, but it can also be something that it's a little scary, so, but I appreciate it, Gov. As Gov said, I want to come up and I want to give you uh, and, and, and represent to you a few opportunities you might have. Um, a number of them are listed right here in your bulletin, so make sure you grab one of those and have it with you. The first thing I want to talk to you about is coming up next Wednesday, and that's our country fair. Country Fair is the uh, big event that we have. It's mainly out here in our parking lot, right, it's right here at the Southwood campus. And we have every year about 1,500, about 2,000 people from our community that will come through that event in the course of an evening. And it's, it's a great time for us outreach. A lot of them are just right here from this community around us. But we need your help um, in a couple different areas, and you can find that on the sign-up sheets out there. So I invite you to check that out and see how you can help us. Also, this coming weekend is our Rebel Run for Youth Impact. Um, that's a youth impact is a ministry of our church that reaches out to marginalized children here in uh, the Bryan College Station area. And this is a great way that we build awareness and help raise funds for them. So check our website out and also um, look in your bulletin to see how you can register for that. Um, the last thing I'm going to remind you of is that uh, the people who are here with the Honduras trip are out in the foyer. Stop by and talk to them. Just kind of see what's going on, what they're doing, and see if that might be something that the Lord would have for you. Like Guff said, he'll be going. Dr. Corey Gill will be going. I'll be there myself. Uh, my 10-year-old son will be there. So um, if he were here, he'd say the same thing I'm about to say to you, and it's, we'd love for you to join us. Just come on. So, And in any way, the Lord might be moving your heart. Take the time and respond. Don't just let it pass. Again, thank you so much for being here with us this morning at Grace Bible Church, and God bless.